come with me. We're going on a fantastic cruise. Pick your destination with news tips and reviews. But here is an item you might not have thought of. All of the things under the water. Nature surrounds us with elegant features. You can't go on a cruise and not see the creatures. So let's make some magic. Let's get ecstatic. Instantly classic. Maybe romantic. The wildlife around you. Cinematic on your fantastic cruise. Bon beanie, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Cruising. Hey, this episode is really special. We've got John Klaikowski in the house as our guest co-host. We're going to get to him in just a second. I just want to take care of a little bit of housekeeping first. And uh, and this is what I'm going to say. I want to say a big thank you to everybody. This podcast is new. It's growing. You guys are supporting it. You're listening. You're joining us over on Facebook. And I just really appreciate that. It means a lot. And it's awesome. It's fantastic. That's what I should say, right? Fantastic. Now, uh, I did get an interesting email from my buddy, Tony Dials, and uh, Tony was wanting to know how he could support the podcast. Look, Tony is a great supporter of the podcast, but this is some, these are some things you can do. First of all, listen, tell your friends about it. Those are the, probably the most important things that I would ask. And then uh, join us on Facebook, the Fantastic Cruising Community over on Facebook. Subscribe to YouTube. That is also a huge help to us. Tony wanted to see if he could support it in other ways. He already bought some merchandise. I've got merchandise available. I'm going to talk a little bit more about some new merchandise coming out pretty soon. But uh, in fact, it'll be out probably when this comes out live. But anyway, you can buy t-shirts and stuff like that if you'd like to support the podcast in that way. And then if you really want to help support the podcast, another thing you can do is support me over on Patreon. You can find the links in the notes to this episode, or you can go over to patreon.com slash fantastic cruising. If you want to help support, throw me a, a few dollars. That's, a, that's the way to do it. But really, I just really appreciate everybody listening in. So thank you so much. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to the meat of this episode. I'm just going to introduce him, the man, the myth, the legend, John Klaikowski. How are you doing, John? What's going I'm on, man? I'm excited. When I started this podcast, this whole concept of having co-hosts, you were like, you were on the top of my list of people I wanted to get on here. If you don't know John, John has a YouTube channel. He does exceptional vlogs, and they are, not only are they really really well done like super on point professional they're also super entertaining super fun guy so let, let's talk a little bit about you john first of all tell us about the Klaikowski's youtube channel okay yeah so we have a small channel that we do cruise vlogs uh we do like you said try and keep it as entertaining as possible it's myself my wife and our two daughters we go on cruises and try and document the experience as best as possible we also do a live stream every Wednesday evening with my partner in crime and neighbor, York Ragsdale, <laughs> called The Ship Show. So, uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun. The and, Ship Show. Know, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's right. I don't know. I, I sing every now and then, but hopefully people keep listening. Well, you should continue to sing. That's a big <laughs> staple of our live stream, actually. I know. And, I know, and John, you've got some, you've got the skills to pay the bills when it comes to singing. You've got a little history there and stuff. So, 
Yeah, I used to be in a band, but I don't know if I still got the skills, but people just like me, like me making a fool of myself on the live stream, I think. <laughs> but the ship show is great. If you haven't seen that, you should check it out. It's a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot of great live stream cruise venue shows out there, yeah. but the ship show is definitely one. I think, I mean, there's a lot of quality ones, but I think it sort of stands out from the crowd as it's, as its own kind of unique thing. And uh, a lot of the humor that's involved, you guys have the sound effects and all that. It just makes for a really entertaining, extra entertaining live stream, the ship show with really professional. You use that software after effects or something, right? Like I use OBS. I use OBS. Okay, But you did like, didn't you do the titles and stuff like that? And after. Oh, yeah. Yes, I I did. And I do a lot of the um, the the cruisy awards that we did. All that was done in after effects. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 quality stuff, people. And his vlogs are also on point. We're going to talk more about the vlogs in a bit. So you do you do the cruising vlogs. You do the ship show. You also have a Facebook group, right? Yeah, I do. We actually have two. Uh, one is called The Ship Show. The other is called Claykowski's Cruisers with the word cruiser spelled with the letter Cruisers K. Cruisers of what? Okay, that makes sense. Like Claykowski Cruisers. Gotcha. Yep, that's it. Got it. And, yep. uh, and these are like the Fantastic Cruising community. And if you haven't joined that, go over to Facebook. Join that, please. We have a lot of fun there, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. We do polls every day. And, and right now, York is doing like TV shows, right? Like your favorite TV shows and kind of pitting them against each other sort of a thing? Yeah, it's, it's a TV show bracket. So we picked 32 TV shows that were on before 1990 and they had to be in color and they had to be sitcoms. And it's just like the NCAA style bracket where <laughs> they go head to head and at the end, one winner is crowned. And then after that, we'll do all the sitcoms from the 90s forward. Nice. So it's a lot of fun. People like it. It is. You get yeah. You get a lot of participation over there. So if you if you do like cruising groups on Facebook, that is definitely a good one to join. Yeah. And speaking of of York, I have to say he's like the perfect partner, and I think that's what some might say makes our live stream unique. Is it's just two guys giving their opinions on not just cruising but everything. And the best part about it is he lives directly across the street from me, <laughs> and it just it was a match made in heaven. He kind of balances me in the live stream. I feel like without him, I'm kind of lost. So he is, he is a lot of fun. And he did tell me that he would only keep doing the live stream if the rush hour traffic didn't pick up. So that's, I think that'll work out pretty well than being across the street. Yep. yep. <laughs> Especially with this Western Michigan traffic we have here. Yeah. And you, you probably going to get some snow up there, right? So that could, that could slow things down a bit. Yeah. Yeah, but he can just wade through the snow in our driveway and no problem. There you go. There you go. He can shovel the driveway, shovel the sidewalk as he's making his way across. It it all works out. And keep yourselves warm because you're usually having some fun cocktails, which let me just say, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of love tonight, John, because not only am I talking to you on here, which is which is something I've been looking forward to, but I'm drinking a beer, which I'm just, I just want to give a shout out here to uh, the Degenerate Cruisers because Jason... I, I met up with him a few weeks ago, and he he just bought me a beer and said, "Take this with you." And it's it's a Caribbean wheat thirsty frog, so that's like the carnival beer. Oh, nice! So I'm enjoying this beer, and it's sitting. I'm just giving a lot of shout outs here. It's sitting on a coaster from Australia that uh, that I got from my buddy David Burgess over in Australia. Oh, so I'm just like, yeah, I know David. Yeah, I'm just surrounded by love, and and these are the kind of people that you could meet by joining these Facebook communities. So it's really a good way to make a lot of friends and absolutely and just have a. 
a good old time. I mean, that's how we met pretty much, you know, through the community and on YouTube. Yeah. Now, speaking of that, uh, first of all, I want to know, how did you get into the whole cruising thing? Like, what was your what was your gateway cruise? Okay. <laughs> I like how you put that. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> was a gateway cruise. So my wife came to me with the idea of going on a cruise. And I was like, I don't want to do a cruise. You go to the ports and you're only there for like four hours and then you have to be back on ship and I'm going to feel rushed the whole time. And she was like, I've done them before. I really think you'll enjoy it. How about if we do like a short cruise followed by like three days in Florida? I said, okay, I'll give you the cruise if I can have three days in Florida. And That is such a familiar tale. Yeah, right, right. What's interesting is, it was a Disney cruise on the wonder. Ooh. I guess when you talk gateway cruising, you, if your first cruise is Disney, I mean, I, you really do not have a choice, but to be hooked. And right. I was looking to book our next cruise before we even got off the ship. So <laughs> that was at the Disney wonder. We went to uh, Nassau and Coco Cay before it was the big deal that it is today. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's, that is kind of funny. Cause I mean, I have met a couple exceptions. In fact, I think Jason is one of those exceptions, but most of the guys I've talked to that are into cruising, they, uh, they had a significant other that got them into it hesitantly and then they were like immediately like, this is amazing. I want to do this all the time. But I got to ask you, like starting off on Disney, like you said, that's like setting the bar pretty high. Now, I mean, there are right. some, I guess, ups and downs for Disney over different lines. But on the whole, I think everybody knows that Disney just ha has like the market on quality. And like I started on a, a really old ship, like the ship I started on isn't even it was a Royal Caribbean ship. It's not even sailing for Royal Caribbean anymore. It was like. You know, super old, super small, and I love that. So I only had up to go. Right. But have you sailed on other ships that were not as fancy or nice as the Disney one, and been like, oh, "This is this is great," but it's not. It's no Disney ship. Well, I you know I'm gonna keep it real. Now, obviously, the Disney cruise was amazing, right? The service is great. The ship was beautiful. The food was good, and the unique dining experience was amazing. But what I found was. After that cruise, I'm like, okay, well, we're just doing Disney because I, uh, I remember specifically when we were pulling to the ship, we had to stop at the Royal Caribbean embarkation gate so that people on our shuttle could get off for that Royal Caribbean ship. I believe it was the Lure of the Seas. And I looked at that ship and I was like, eh, I don't know. I, and, you know, <laughs> it already bothered me because I was so excited to like just go. And, you know, we had been spending the whole morning like trying to get there. I'm like, I'm never doing Royal. We're only going to do <laughs> Disney after this cruise, you know? And then we got to thinking about it. And then I started watching a bunch of YouTube videos. And then I started joining the communities. And I started hearing how much fun people have on Carnival and Royal and all this stuff. So I said, well, let's try it. It's cheaper by far. And, you know, let's, let's see what it's like. And our first cruise on Royal was Allure of the Seas. And listen, I really feel I loved it. And while Disney is great, I just don't feel like I'll get the value right. out of the cruise by going back there. I mean, yes, the service is good, but I've, I've had just as much fun on Royal Caribbean so far. And, you know, it's much cheaper and the kids love it. So and and uniquely for our family, uh, Caitlin was really into the Disney characters, but now she's older. She's 18 now, so she doesn't really care about that. And Stella never really 
got into the Disney scene. So that wasn't a selling point for her. So yeah, he's yeah. perfectly happy on Royal. Yeah. I mean, that totally makes sense. I, I feel that same way. I mean, I, I enjoy different ships, but they all have different price points, but you know, people know I'm a, I'm a port guy, so I'm mostly interested in ports right. and the ship isn't as important. It was like somebody asked me today, I was at Gatorland today and uh, we were looking, they had saltwater crocodiles and Nile crocodiles. And somebody asked me, which one's more aggressive, the saltwater crocodile or the Nile crocodile? And I said, well, if they, if they both eat you, it doesn't really matter which one's more aggressive right. because you're going to get the same, after that, you get the same experience. Anyway, like it's going to be less, on my mind. less painful. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so it's kind of the, you know, opposite with cruising. It's not painful. It's, it's wonderful. And, uh, if I can get the, the same experience or, or maybe even in some case, in some ways, a better experience for literally half the price, then, you know, I'm probably going to do that, but, but that's good to know. So, so Disney is cool and I need to try it. Cause I, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I like Disney, but I can't say that until I've tried it. Yeah. But, I think uh, I, everyone should try it at least once. Yeah. Yeah, just to see what you're missing. Yeah. You know, it's just it's the same thing. Like I haven't been on any of the really gigantic ships yet, like the Oasis class ships. And uh, I always say, you know, I don't I don't know if I like those, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold to that until I experience it. I, I don't think I will dislike those, but uh, but I don't know if I will like them as much as some of the smaller ones. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I have to I have to live it before uh, I can make my judgment. But cruising is fun no matter what. Like, you know, right. a lot of people say I've never been on a cruise ship that I haven't enjoyed. I don't I haven't tried one of those Paradise Cruise Line ships yet. But I suspect that even on one of those things, I would have a lot of fun. Me too. And it would still be an, an amazing experience. So now you started vlogging. How many cruises have you done when you started actually vlogging them? One, the Disney cruise. After the Disney cruise and leading up to the Disney cruise, I started watching YouTube videos, you know, like everyone I'm sure does. And then after that, I started watching like La Lita Loca and um, Sharon at Sea. And then I found Griff and Alyssa. Yeah. And I... I started watching those vlogs and I'm like, wow, there's, that's some <laughs> cinematic quality here. I really, I don't know. I, I gravitated towards that. And yeah. so I went and bought a, uh, on Griff's advice, you know, I said, Hey, I'm just looking for a cheap GoPro, not the real thing yet. I want to see if I can do this. I went, I bought like a cheap GoPro on Amazon for like 60 bucks or something. And I took it on Allure of the Seas. What I found on that first vlogging experience was that, well, one, this, this little GoPro I had, had terrible audio. So <laughs> I found about 80% of what I filmed was either way too shaky to view or you couldn't hear it. And right. I kind of gave up early on that cruise. And, and it, the whole cruise was like two, in my opinion, unwatchable vlogs. They're out there on YouTube and <laughs> someday it'll be fun to revisit just to see like <laughs> where I've come from. But uh, after that, I realized I needed to step it up. So then I actually went out and got some real gear. Now, I'm glad you brought up all those people because, yeah, Sharon at Sea and Lolita Loca – uh, big influences for me and, and a lot of people and, and absolutely wonderful channels. Griff and Alyssa, Griff, uh, look, he kind of makes me angry because I, the man is like, how dare you? He's like Spielberg quality. I, I don't understand like how many, I don't know. I mean, I know Tony puts a lot of time and you can tell he puts a lot of time into Lolita Loca oh, videos, sure. but, but Griff is like, it's like another level. I don't even, it's just annoying. <laughs> I, you know what? I know what you mean. And it's, it's, it's so much fun to watch 
but it's also frustrating as a creator when you're like, how did he do that? Right, right. But, but it keeps you working at it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. If you have a question, he'll answer it graciously. I was say. And, and the man has helped me with so many different things. I can't thank him enough. And and that's the same with Tony, too, from Lolita Loca. I mean, those guys are, are super friendly, super helpful. And yeah, look, Tony they got too. a lot of... Yeah, they got a lot of people out there asking them questions because they are producing such amazing content and uh, and they are very generous and graceful with their time. So be, you know, be respectful. But if you have questions, you know, you can ask creators and most most of the creators in the cruising community are super helpful and, and eager to help out. And those two guys definitely will help out. Well, you know, Tony has helped me quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Tony's helped me a lot. Uh, I've had plenty of questions for him and he, he's always graciously answered. Same with, um, Jamie over at yes. Sharon at Sea. Uh, I, I've talked to them quite a few times, just, you know, with live stream questions and, and vlogging questions and stuff. So you're right. Most of the cruising community that I've dealt with, they're all more than willing to help. Yeah. It's one of the really cool things. Did, didn't you win like a contest on Griffin Alyssa? I won a contest on Griffin Alyssa and I won a contest on Sharon <laughs> at Sea now that you mentioned Yes, it. you did. But did, you won like a GoPro or something on Griffin Alyssa, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And I still have it and I still use it. <laughs> Very cool. Yep. I take my time lapses with that GoPro. <laughs> now, now, John, you are known in the community by a certain catchphrase. Like when people see me, a lot of times they say Bombini because that's like I yep. love the ABC Island. So that's kind of my thing. And fantastic, obviously, you named a podcast after it. But you have a whole nother, uh, whole nother thing that you have, which is this kind of rooster chicken deal. And uh, and the, the key phrase, which is, of course, <laughs> yeah. So tell us, first of all, where did the rooster thing come from? I think I've heard the story, but tell us everybody knows where the rooster thing came from so they understand that. And then I have a question about the bagok thing. Okay. Well, okay. The rooster, the name the rooster, I have to give credit to Jamie himself. Because uh, when I started going into their live streams, he would see my name as John Wooster and he started calling me the rooster because I would say <laughs> bagok when I entered the chat, you know? And so it took a life of its own. And so the, the rooster was born at Sharon at sea, at least that name. Now, the <laughs> which came first, the rooster or the egg? No, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the bagok itself, that story isn't as interesting as some might think. But when I was a young kid back in junior high, we used to play a basketball game called 33. And it was like 15 guys all trying to make a basket. And when you got the ball, you know, I was really short and no one could ever hear me. I was quiet. And I, the way I, I just, one day we were playing basketball and people couldn't hear me. So I was just like, what? you know, and it like got their attention. <laughs> and throughout my life, it just, I started, whenever I'm like running, I just, I don't know why I just, you know, or <laughs> if I get excited, it's a, or it can mean hello. Like just today, when you called me, you were like, right. it, it can right. be a greeting. It can be a sign of affection. It can be just pure excitement or whenever you see a chicken. <laughs> does Mrs. Claykowski keep bagok? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> Stella does though. I, I believe, I think I've heard Stella bagok before. Yep. Yep. On camera. Yeah. So, so here's my question about the bagok. Actually, how many A's are, are in there after the G? Ooh, Is it supposed to be two A's, great three A's, question. four A's? Okay. Cause I, cause I never know when I'm typing it, when I see you in a live stream or something, I'm like, 
And I'm like, oh, how many A's? Because spell check ain't going to get it done for you. Fantastic question. So there is a there is an actual answer to this. It's technically three. Okay, so B A G A A A K. Okay, got it. That is the correct normal spelling. But if you need to add more emphasis, <laughs> more A's are acceptable. Got it. But you can't go with. Can you go with less A's? I would say if you no no no, no less than three. But I, I've done it on occasion by accident, and I'm waiting for people to call me out. It's, it sounds like a chicken with a cough. like <laughs> Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. Well, now we know a little bit about you. I, I, I'm going to cut away from you for a second just to – because, well, last week – I don't know if you had a chance to listen to last episode's podcast, but mm-hmm. I talked about cruising during hurricane season, which we are in at the time of this episode. We're recording this on August 30th. It's going to come out on, I think, the 32nd. Uh, 2019. So, first of all, well, let me Wait, just ask you. Did you, you just you... say August 32nd? <laughs> you just said August 32nd. I did. I did. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's... <laughs> I I really like the month of August, and I don't want it to end. So, uh, also known as September the first. There I we think. go. There's thirty. There's thirty one days in August, right? Yes. I got that part. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this in. All right. So on September 1st, anyway, there is a, I, I just did the thing have you, about hurricanes. Have you ever cruised during hurricane season, the, the Jason months, July, August, September? No, but I'm always in fear of that. And right now with what's going on, I'm like so fearful for all the peeps that we know that are like either cruising right now or about to be. Yeah, I, I know Dorian is the name of the storm that is in question at, at the time of this. And it is currently... Uh, barreling towards Florida, and they're saying it's going to be like a Category 4. Uh, I know I've got a good, a good friend of mine, good friends of mine, I should say. It's a whole family, Charlie and Bev, and, and their kids are actually, they're supposed to cruise out of Puerto Rico, I believe, Monday. So they were going to fly in to Miami on sa- Sunday and then fly down to Puerto Rico. Uh, but now they're actually, they bumped it up till Saturday, and they're going to fly to Orlando and then down to Puerto Rico. But I think they'll be okay because the storm's going to be past them. But there are, yeah, there are some people that live down on that uh, east coast of Florida. And I, I don't even know what it's going to mean for me. But I, I just wanted to bring it back to that because, you know, in the last episode I talked about cruising during hurricane season. And I personally, I think it's worthwhile. It's worth the risk. But I said there were a lot of caveats, a lot of things to consider. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to, to make this clear that, you know, it's always a risk, and and even with this hurricane barreling towards one of the cruise ports, it's going to come probably near one of the cruise ports. I still think that it's if, if you listen to the last episode, there's still a lot of reasons to do that. I've lived in Florida for 21 years. I've only ever evacuated to a shelter type situation twice in this whole time. I've never left the state, and um, I've never felt like my life was in danger. So. Having said that, um, yes, people are going to, right now, people are getting diverted. There are cruises being possibly canceled. So it's a risk. Get travel insurance if you do it. But uh, but I would still say, you know, it's probably worth the risk. But just keep in mind that your cruise plans could get thwarted <laughs> or at least change dramatically. Changed, yeah. Yep. yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, you could save a lot of money. You might be able to take a, a cruise that's twice as long and the odds are in your favor. So I just wanted to kind of retouch on that since last week I talked about cruising during hurricanes and then a big hurricane came up t- 
to uh, hit the state of Florida as if to say, how dare you talk about hurricanes right. on this podcast? So, <laughs> You know, I was reading about this the other day. I think it was John Heald was saying that even if the storm's coming, the odds of us canceling your cruise are very low. Uh, right. The timing of this storm isn't so great with, I guess, what are they saying it's supposed to hit land on Monday? Or is it? Uh, they keep changing it. I, I, I Monday, Tuesday, I, I think right now, at the time of this recording, I think Monday is when they're predicting it's going to make landfall. But it's been changing over the last 24 hours pretty pretty much a lot. So well, I we'll think, see. I think that the people cruising out on Sunday will probably get out of the way in time to maybe have to change their itinerary. But I agree. I think it's absolutely worth the risk. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there are certain caveats and stuff, but but yeah, it could it could be could be worth a worth a chance, especially if it's you know not your only cruise. And if I know you live a little bit further away, so it may be a little bit more of a commitment for you to take a cruise. For me, if my cruise gets canceled, yeah, it sucks, but you know I can just reschedule my time off and and get on another one in, in another month. So it can it can be a different experience depending on how hard it is for you to get to the ports and. How, how much that takes and all that sort of thing. Agreed. Now, you didn't have to worry about hurricanes on your last cruise because you weren't cruising in the Caribbean. You weren't even cruising in a warm area. You were in Alaska. That's right. And when was that cruise? That was uh, mid-June. Okay, so not that long ago from when we are recording this. It was over the early summer, late fall, or late spring, rather. So I don't I don't know how many days are in August. I don't know what my seasons are. <laughs> So, so yeah, and I, and I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Alaska and, and that whole experience. So let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah, so we, we were really excited about this first Alaskan cruise that we were going to do. My wife had been there before um, years ago. So we did our research and we decided to go with the Ovation of the Seas. I have to tell you that that is the most amazing ship I've ever seen. Really? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. What class is that? Is that like, or what ships is it similar to? The Anthem of the Seas, the Quantum of the Seas. Okay. Those are like the high-tech ships, is that right? They're like the super high-tech ones? They're, is that... they're the newest, or some of the newest, yeah. It was okay. amazing. It had the robot nice. bar, and everything about the ship was Absolutely fantastic. I, I I can't talk about that ship enough. I, I'm still blown away by how awesome the ship was. Now, the Alaskan cruise ports were amazing, too. We went to Juneau. That was awesome. Got to go uh, humpback whale watching there. That was a great time. Nice. We got nice. to see uh, a bunch of whale tails. We went to Skagway. That was a great time, too. I went on a helicopter trip to the glacier, and we flew and landed on the glacier and took a little tour on the on the glacier there. We came back and went dog mushing. <laughs> nice. That was really cool. So that was a good time. Uh, Skagway and Juneau were both beautiful towns. And then we went to Victoria and let's see what we do. There. We did uh, an orca watching tour. So lots of, lots of creature stuff there, which we'll get into some of yeah. those creatures here in a bit. But um, what, what was it like that the helicopter, first of all, I've heard that it's, kind of hit or miss with uh, you got to time it right to take the helicopter to the glacier. Does that, does that sound like yes. the stuff you've heard? And yeah. I was actually nervous because in the morning when I got off the ship, I was having typical Klaikowski problems and I didn't have a hard drive. I left my oh. hard drive at home and I went into town early looking for somewhere to get a hard drive 
which I found, by the way, at a very reasonable price. Nice. <laughs> but I was talking to some of the people in town and they were like, yeah, the helicopters are grounded right now because there's too much fog. They're like, we don't know when it's going to clear. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm going to miss oh, my opportunity to take a <laughs> helicopter. But I got lucky. By the time I got there, the fog had cleared enough and it was a go. So cool. It was a lot of fun too. That I thought it might be like scary and shaky, but no, it was it was really good. Now here's the thing I've always heard because I, everybody tells me go to Alaska. My mom's been to Alaska. She's like, it's amazing. You'll love it. And and I'm always like, yeah, but it's like cold and stuff. I know I need to do it, and someday I will. But it's never super high on my radar. But everybody that goes to Alaska. I've never heard anybody go go back from Alaska and, and be like, yeah, it was it was nice. Everybody that goes to Alaska is like, oh my god, it's like the most amazing, scenic, beautiful thing. Was that your experience with that? I have to say, absolutely yes. And and yeah. from what everyone was telling us, we got lucky because we got four days in a row of sunshine. Nice. So. The people in the town were like, this is not normal. So <laughs> the backdrop was absolutely gorgeous. I, can't, I mean, nice. you always hear people say, oh, pictures don't do it justice. And that is the absolute truth in Alaska. The just all-encompassing backdrop of and beauty of what you're seeing everywhere you look, is it's just amazing. That's what I always hear. Let me ask you this. As, as somebody that's interested in, in environmental issues, um, I know Alaska, I always hear people talking about the, the glaciers melting and things like that. And some of the just the, the overall average temperatures going up and, and that it's shrinking some of those ice sheets. Did, did they talk about any of that or, or did they kind of point that out to you at all? Or what was their experience with that? Yeah, they did. And I, not not in great detail. And to be honest, they they didn't really say anything to the extent of like global warming is causing this to uh, make the glacier melt faster. Uh, right. They basically talked more about like you could see when you were standing on the glacier, they would take you to like the little like um, chasms where you could look down and just see water flowing crystal clear like hmm. blue glacier water flowing you know right and that was the melt-off and they you know they gave us a lot of tidbits like if you drop a camera in five years from now we'll find that camera at the base of the glacier <laughs> and they say they find stuff in there all at, down at the base all the time and it, it oh, takes a wild. certain amount of time and they've got it timed out, but they didn't really discuss that a lot. Okay. Now, when, when you were in Alaska, I think one of the cool things about visiting Alaska is it is part of the United States. So that means you can like use your cell phone. Yes. You talked about finding a good price on a hard drive. Did that make it a really different sort of port experience for you? Yes. I mean, it's not in the United States continentally speaking but it's still did it feel like you were in america yes absolutely very much so like walmart and starbucks i didn't see a lot of that <laughs> i have to be honest like oh, good <laughs> like juno and skagway were pretty quaint towns victoria is like a bigger city so that yeah. there, it was all there but no i, I found a skagway and juno to be really rustic but i mean it was still america um like you know what i mean it, it, it didn't you didn't feel like you were somewhere else you know like if you were in the bahamas or whatever you know what I'm saying? Right. And that was right. that was that was different. It was almost weird, like tough to get used mm -hmm. to. Like I'm I'm having all this beauty here and I'm boarding the ship, but I'm still here in America. You know, it, it was it was a lot of fun. That's cool. I, I think that's I think that's pretty neat. The food, though, the food on this ship <laughs> was absolutely 
subpar. Like really, yes. And uh, you know me, Matt. I'm a foodie through and through. Yeah. And I think everyone at our table, Griffin and Alyssa as well, because they were with us. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Watch. Let me just say, watch the vlogs. The vlogs are starting to come out. Yeah. And so watch the vlogs, and and I'm and I think Griffin and Alyssa's are starting to come out too from that. Oh yeah, they're ahead of me well. on so, those vlogs, and yeah. and they you you'll see you'll see there's more to come, but the food for the most part was disappointing on that ship. Now yeah. we did do a night together at the Wonderland restaurant and that was amazing. Okay. If anybody listening is ever on a ship that has Wonderland, I cannot recommend that restaurant enough because it's been fantastic as you say. <laughs> did it have like a little bottle or something that said drink me? I mean, what and it made you really tiny or <laughs> No. <laughs> no, but you know the funny the, the cool thing about that restaurant is you really have no idea going into it what's going to happen unless i guess if you really look like research it on youtube and stuff but i wanted to keep it kind of a secret and right they, and you just sit down and they tell you you can choose from this and they just bring you stuff you don't really know exactly what's coming and you all just share it at the table they like deconstructed a tomato and it was in a test tube and it was clear liquid <laughs> and oh wow all the pigment was gone and it was just amazing so it's very kind of experimental kind of food almost yeah just... it's just like they like they say going down the rabbit hole they bring you <laughs> they bring you a blank slate to hold and they give you a paintbrush and you dip it in water and you paint it and the menu appears slowly nice yeah. nice great time there that sounds cool now back to the other food though you said it was subpar would, would you say that it was because of the options? Because I've heard that the menu is a lot different style on those Alaskan cruises. Or was it the food itself just didn't taste as good? Okay, yeah. So, w one, we didn't find the menu to be any different than any Royal Caribbean cruise. Really? That I've been on. Okay. As a matter of fact, we all commented that, like, we pretty much have the menu memorized. On day one, we're having this, 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 and this. And th there wasn't any change that we could really tell huh, on that. Okay. It was just that the escargot was escargros. It was, <laughs> it was salty and it just wasn't good. The the creme brulee was inconsistent. I would get you know a creme brulee that actually looked like creme brulee, and someone else at the table, I believe it was Griff, got just this like jiggly mess of yellow stuff. It it just there was no consistency. I. I'm quite certain it was just a one-off situation because I can tell you from experience that most often Royal Caribbean's food sets the bar very high. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. That's Yeah, I saw in your video you got like – you got the creme brulee and it was like just the custard. Like they didn't put the, the whole like torch top on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's not even a flan. That's like, I don't know what that is, it, but it's not creme brulee. Yeah, it was something. But it wasn't that. I mean, and and like I said, I was really disappointed in that. But the ship itself makes it all worth it. Any one of those ships, that the layout of that ship is completely different than most Royal ships. And for the people listening, I think that have cruised Royal, you'll notice that for the most part, the ships have a similar layout, whether big or small. You've got your promenade area and then, you know, the outlying areas, the dining rooms and the theaters and stuff. And the navigation around the ship is similar on a lot of the larger class and smaller class. But this class, I think they call it the quantum class. I could be wrong there. It has such a unique layout and so many different venues that, that, that you don't typically see. And the decor inside is really modern and classy mm. and, and just, 
it, it was right up my alley. Yeah, it sounds cool. I mean, like I said I, I, earlier, and I've said this a lot, you know, I haven't been on the Oasis class, and I, and I want to try those, but I'm more curious about the Quantum class because they they are a newer ship, but instead of just going for, like, big and, and huge, they're going for kind of a different angle. And, to, and that's more appealing to me from what I think I will like. So that that's really cool. I, I know I saw, like, the robots and stuff, which I think they have those on a lot of ships, but it, it was kind of – it just kind of looked pretty amazing. The room – you did the room tour. Go check out the videos on the Klaikowskis on YouTube – uh, the room tour, the room is really interesting looking. You, you yeah. kept saying it was a little bit small. Did it feel smaller than a normal cruise room or was it just like, like what was the deal there? It, it didn't, it looked like a typical cruise room, to yeah, me, but did it feel? It was a little bit smaller, I think, but I have to say though, it, it had way more storage. So that kind of made up for it. Yeah. The storage like above the bed and next to the bed. Yeah. It seemed like it was, it was pretty good. Yep. The other thing that disappointed me on that cruise is we only got towel animals every other night. And what? yeah, that was, that was a big <laughs> letdown. And I even like tried to sweet talk um, our cabin steward into like changing that rule for us, but uh, it didn't happen. Hmm. So Royal Caribbean starting to get weak on their towel game. So, they gotta, they gotta pick it up, man. People like the towel animals. Yeah, me especially. Yeah, well, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna learn how to fold towel animals really well, and then I'm going to sell my services to people. All you have to do is take me on the cruise with you, set me up in a single interior cabin room, and I will make sure that you get three towel animals a day. That's a good gig. Yeah, I mean, just you just gotta just get me on the ship, and uh, and that's it. I won't I won't be in your hair. I won't bother you the rest of the time. We might be just towel you. animals. <laughs> we got a cruise coming up in February on Harmony of the Seas. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. I'll have to think of what the title would be for that towel animal folder. I don't know. I'm sure you'll think of something good. <laughs> We're going to get to listener emails in a little bit, but uh, I was trying to think of what I would, I, I like to give them a question to send me the answer to. That's fantasticcruising at gmail.com. And so I thought this week a good one would be to just listen to our podcast and come up with that as we went. And that just gave me an idea. If any of you out there have sailed on a quantum class ship for Royal Caribbean, let me know what your thoughts were. Tell me the good, tell me the bad, tell me the fun, and uh, send that to fantasticcruising at gmail.com, and then I'll read it on the air next week. Make sure to tell me if it's okay to say your name. Otherwise, I just will assume that it's not. Now, if there is one thing that's going to get me to Alaska, you know it's going to be the creatures because I am all about the creatures. Yep. If you if you listen into this podcast and you don't know I'm all about the creatures, then you I don't know if you haven't been paying attention or what. But, yeah, I'm a creature guy. And, uh, and Alaska's got some cool creatures and some creatures that you don't see typically on other cruises. Some of them you can't see in other places. Some of them you're just highly unlikely to see. And you told me, I asked you, like, hey, did you see any cool creatures on your cruise? Expecting you to say, like, yeah, we saw, like, an orca or something. And you, like, shot a list at me. And, and I was, like, I almost shorted out my iPad because I was drooling on it as the list came through. <laughs> but uh, um, you told me that you uh, – well, you sent me the video. And uh, I, I would I would play the, the audio from it, but I'd have to bleep it out because Miss Klikowski got a little vulgar on that. Yes, she did. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I totally understand because she saw humpback whales and man, those things breached, jumped out of the water and splashed down. What was that like? It was amazing. And I don't have the names in front of me, forgive me, but I have to credit two young ladies who were on the boat trip with me for helping me get that footage because at the time that that happened, 
the girl who was in charge of the 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 first mate on on the uh, boat we were on was like, "Hey, if anybody wants us to get a picture of you and your family, I'll take it now." I was handing my phone to this girl when those whales breached right in front of us. So, oh, wow. I wasn't technically filming at the time. <laughs> and there was two uh, teenage girls who got the footage and they gave it to me and I'm going to credit them on YouTube for that. Cool. That's awesome, man. I, I can't even imagine. I've, I've not yet seen whales at all. I mean, not, not, they're not in aquariums, whales like that. So, but just, I can't even imagine, like I've seen whale sharks. I swam with whale sharks and, and you know, those, the whale shark I swam with, uh, one of them was probably 20 plus feet long. And that was like, you, you don't realize how big that is until you're actually right there with them. It's like even yeah. manatees, manatees don't get nearly that big, but you know, you can see them even in an aquarium, but until you're like on a boat looking down at them or in the water with them, like it, you just don't really grasp how big they are. And with something like a humpback whale, I mean, this is a massive, massive animal. I can't even fathom how amazing that must be. Yeah. I, at first I was wondering if the kids would enjoy it, you know, like, are they going to be bored with this, taking the boat out and looking for whales and maybe we'll see one. Maybe we won't. They were fascinated too. And even just seeing the tails, which is what most people usually see. It's not common for them to breach at that time of the year. They said it was a fluke. No, that's the tail. You, Never mind. Sorry. You are the best. <laughs> I love you. I, I can't get enough. Uh, seeing the flukes was, you know, you couldn't even gain a perspective of actually how big it was. I mean, it was huge, but then to see it out of the water was just like, oh my goodness. And they, (laughs) they told us all about them. Like they had the books on board where they could identify the whales by their tails. So nice. They could pull out the, you know, if we'd take pictures when we'd see their, their tails and we'd show them the picture and she'd look it up and she'd be like, okay, yep, that's this, you know, such and such. So (laughs) that's Fred. That's ginger. That's Ethel. Yeah. We, we do that with dolphins at, uh, in the, in Tampa Bay. We, we identify them by their dorsal fins. They all have unique patterns on their dorsal fins. So that would make sense that that would work with whale tails as well. Cause that's what you're normally going to, like you said, it's what you're normally going to see. Yeah. And so you can't identify them very easily from their markings if you're not going to see their markings. So the tail is the way to go. Yeah. And they told us like they had it timed. They knew when the whale would dive, they'd be like, okay, it's probably going to be like four to seven minutes before it comes mm. back. So the, the captain would like navigate around to where he thought it, you know, it would come back up and they knew what they were doing. And and if, I would say when we went humpback whale watching, we saw about at least 10 or 12 of them. So man, yeah, it, that's so cool. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. And, but that's not all you saw. No. I mean, that was probably the biggest thing you saw, but that's not all you saw. You saw orcas, yep. which are, which are super cool. And again, I've seen them at SeaWorld, but uh, I haven't seen them in the wild and that would be pretty amazing the sea. You you said you saw sea otters. Is that accurate? Yep, yep. We, yeah. we saw otters, and we saw we saw seals floating by on um, little icebergs as we were nice. cruising to the glacier. That was cool. And we saw an elephant seal, I believe. Right? That's what you told me. That, yeah, those are big, kind of funky, kind of fugly looking. Yeah, <laughs> seals. It was huge, and it was just like sitting there on land, nice. like at, at a at a lighthouse, and I mean, it was bigger than two people. 
you know, it was yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're uh, like they're Jabba big the animals. Yeah, <laughs> they they kind of look like that. They got like a big proboscis sort of face. Hey, watch and, your uh, mouth. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. I I wouldn't have like I knew people saw orcas and I knew they saw whales. I didn't know how regularly sea otters were spotted and they they have to be like in the top 10 cutest animals on the planet list you know so that would be pretty amazing and then but didn't you for say me, they're jerkwads otters yeah otters well yeah they'll bite you in the face i mean they're yeah <laughs> i mean it's not that they're jerks i mean let's let's be clear you know like when i said the talking about crocodiles because anytime i can i, I do and i said aggressive it's not that they're aggressive they're just they're crocodiles they eat they eat people that's not all of them but a couple of species and otters they're just playful and we just are we're just way too fragile for their style of play it's not it's not their fault that we're big wimps you know so if they feel if they're feeling a little bit affectionate you might get bit in the face so <laughs> <laughs> otters are still adorable and they're super smart they use tools, basically. Um, sea otters, specifically, will will go down. They'll eat like sea urchins and and clams and things like that. And they'll they'll pick up rocks and they'll break them open on their chests so they can get into the soft, gushy parts, and uh, and have those for lunch. So they have a much higher quality of food than apparently that Royal Caribbean ship did. <laughs> well played. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> And then you also said you saw bald eagles, which is which is pretty cool. I mean, I see those in Florida, which is but it's still it's always amazing to see them. When when I say we saw eagles, I mean we saw a bunch of eagles. When we were headed to the dog mushing excursion, they kind of took us in the backcountry on this road, this curvy road in a bus. There was this line of trees, and the guy was like, If you look to your right, you'll see some bald eagles. And I'm telling you, there was at least fifteen of them. Just <laughs> perched That's on awesome. top of the trees just and and flying around it was that was something now we see them quite often around here where i live uh in the spring yeah but usually flying really high but we actually got to see them up close that was kind of cool that is cool yeah i see them in florida in the winter time but usually i see like one or two so to see that many of them that would change that experience. And just to see them in that environment that you described yeah. would be uh, just a, a different kind of experience. So, so yeah, so cruise creatures, if you want like a cruise creature extravaganza, then Alaska is, is one of the places you should consider going because you're going to see different creatures in the Caribbean and, and other places where you cruise. Normally, in most places, if, if there's creatures to be found, they're going to be more sort of tropical animals, fish, reptiles, birds. But in Alaska, it's like a whole other ball game. So that is really, really cool. And then that does make me kind of want to go on one of those Alaska cruises. I need to get that done. Yeah, I can't. I, I really can't recommend Alaska enough. We're going to do it again because cool. there's other towns we want to see as well. So right. Right. I know my mom did an Alaska cruise and she actually did something where she was on a ship. She was off the ship for like a couple of days or something and then like took a train somewhere and then got back on the ship. So it was kind of a different way to cruise in that respect as well. So there's there's different options there. It's kind of a little bit of a different ball game for cruising. I mean, it's still cruising, but it's sort of, you know, if you, if you are bored of cruising in the same place that you cruise all the time, which I don't know who you are, if that's the case. But uh, if you just want to change, then that might be another reason to do that, just to, to get a not just a different environment, but a whole different experience that you can get from cruising to Alaska. Yeah, it's a nice change of pace if you've been on 
a bunch of Caribbean cruises to like to just switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you the big question then. Um, if if you were going to be able to go on just maybe, let's say, one cruise a year, would you do Caribbean or would you do Alaska? I would do Caribbean because of the kids. It, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The kids enjoyed Alaska. As a matter of fact, that whole cruise was Caitlin's graduation present. Nice. Congratulations, Caitlin. Yeah. But the girls have so much fun in the Caribbean. And I mean, we do too. And, yeah. you know, I've been starting to get into snorkeling a lot more. And that's not really an option in Alaska. But I will say this. <laughs> on the same road that we saw those eagles perched in the tree, there was a guy, there was a river. Like, it wasn't a river. It was just a, a narrow lake that ran parallel with the road. There was a guy swimming. Like, like <laughs> you know, like, like someone swimming laps. And I was like, what is he doing? And he's like... <laughs> He's training for some cold water swimming event that's wow. coming up. I couldn't believe it. It was like maybe 50 degrees outside, but the water, Whoa. I have no idea what the water temperature was, but there's no cold. way I could do that. But It had to be cold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm starting to get into snorkeling and I want to look into scuba and don't get me wrong. I loved Alaska, but Caribbean cruises are fun too. Yeah. So I, I the reason I asked that is because I feel like, I feel like an Alaska cruise would be something I would enjoy doing like every few years or something like that. And then going back to the Caribbean. So it's, yeah. it's like a good, good change of pace type of, uh, of cruise. Very cool. That sounds like, that sounds like an awesome experience. And you've actually made me a little bit more, even more excited about doing that Alaska cruise. So maybe I'll get on that sooner rather than later, but you mentioned scuba diving and I know you said you had some questions for me about scuba diving. So let's talk a little bit about scuba. Let's do that because I have tons of questions. So let's say you're just like me and you're really wanting to get into it, but you don't know where to start. How long does it take from starting point to finishing point to get yourself certified to a point where when you go on a cruise excursion, you can take a single tank dive? Yeah, well, it, back in the day, it used to be normally a two to three week process and and you would meet maybe two times a week and you do a little bit of classroom stuff and then you do a little bit of pool stuff and then at the end of your four sessions or six sessions or whatever it was you would do your open water certification usually that was on the weekend you'd go to a, a spring a lake the ocean depending on where you lived and you do your checkoff dives, which was usually just one day. Nowadays, it's it's a little bit different. It's a lot more flexible because you do a lot of the classroom stuff in online modules, which makes it okay. Yeah, it makes it possible for you to do it on your own time. It makes it possible for you to not have to sit and go drive to the classroom. But you can't do your pool stuff on the computer. Like it, you can't just go VR. There's and no virtual how to clear pool. A mask and, yeah, yeah. I mean, there probably is, but it's just not the same. So. Um, so I think it there's probably variable answers to that. I would still say for most people, you're probably looking at a couple of weeks to three weeks, but there you may be able to find a deal. I know there are some cruises that offer mm -hmm. scuba certifications in a week. So there, there may be some ways you could kind of expedite the process. Uh, the important thing is you've got to have a certain amount of pool time to do all of your exercises, and then you've got to get your book work done. And then you've got to do your your open water dives, which is when you're going to do all the stuff you learned in the pool and you're going to do that in open water. And what that means by open water, because what you get is you get your open water certification. That's that's your diving license, basically the most basic one. 
And open water just means that you're not in like a contained swimming pool. So it could be a lake, it could be a quarry, it could be the ocean. Uh, normally, it's going to be in a fairly mellow, somewhat shallow. And by shallow for scuba diving, I'm talking like 40, 50 feet or shallower, maybe maybe even a little deeper, uh, semi-clear water. But depending on where you live, that might not be an option. You might get more challenging circumstances, but usually that's what you're looking at. And then once you get that certification, you're good to go. You go down um, to the Caribbean and you go to sign up for a, for a dive somewhere. They're going to ask to see your C card, your certification card. And uh, as long as you have that, they may want you to have logged some dives, but you've got that with your open water testing. You've got your dives logged. Okay. So um, you're, you're ready to go. And most of the time, you're going to be diving with them anyway, so it's kind of a controlled experience. You're still with dive masters. Your experience may vary depending on the company you're diving with. Oh, that's normally good to know. I, Yeah, normally I find they're pretty safety conscious and they're they're keeping an eye on you, and it's almost like you're still in scuba class. Um, th- some places will let you kind of cut loose and and go on your own, but it you know it just it just depends. I, in cruising, most of the places I've dove, that has not been the case. But there have been a couple exceptions to that. Thanks for that information, because I've been wondering about that for a long time. The other thing I wanted to know was, is it hard? It's not. In fact, people sometimes are worried about it. They're like, I'm not a super strong swimmer. Uh, you don't have to be. And I would say that scuba diving is easier in many ways than snorkeling. It's definitely easier than just swimming. Um, you, you've got a lot of weight to put on and you get in the water and it's not, it doesn't feel as heavy. Um, there's a little bit of, of a learning curve as far as learning how to uh, get your body to float or sink at the right level Okay. and just being comfortable in the water. And that is, that is something that's going to be a different difficulty level depending on your normal, just natural comfort in the water. But I would say scuba diving is pretty easy and, the, the thing is, the reason that you have to get certified is that it's scuba diving is, is safe if you know some really important safety rules that are super easy to follow. But if you don't know those rules and you don't follow them, scuba diving can be very, very dangerous. So it's not a dangerous thing to do, but it can be if you don't have that knowledge and experience. So uh, but overall, I, I would say it's super easy. OK, and I've, I've, I've just heard that to get that certification um, can be difficult. Now, if you move up to different levels, does it then become more challenging? Like if you're not the best swimmer, uh, are you going to struggle? So there's, there's different paths you can take. And and I would say for most people, uh, they're going to get their general open water certification. Most people are going to stop right there. That's good enough. That's going to get them through 90% of their recreational diving. There are occasionally places that want you to have your advanced open water. And that just means that you've done a little bit more work. It's not that much more difficult, but mainly what that means is that you've got some experience night diving and diving at a little bit deeper depths. But I haven't run into any place that required it. I've seen places that said they required it, but I don't. I haven't seen anybody say you've got to have advanced. I know that there are places that do say that, though. So you may want to get your advanced open water. And then beyond that, um, really, unless you're going for like a dive master and dive instructor, 
there are some kind of fun courses you can take that specialize in photography or different things like that. Uh, but most people aren't going to do that unless they just, just really want to, you know, gain that experience. You don't need that unless it's something you have a passion for. The one exception might be um, nitrox diving. So nitrox is a, is a mixture of a different mixture of nitrogen to oxygen. And what it does is it, it allows you to stay underwater longer because you don't go through your air as fast. And also one of the downsides of scuba diving is when you, when you finish scuba diving, you're not breathing oxygen, you're breathing compressed air. So it's the same air that we're breathing right now, just compressed. And so it tends to really drain your energy. And so you can be pretty tired after a dive. Well, the nitrox has a higher oxygen level. And so you actually feel more energy after the dive. So a lot of, a lot of people that are really into scuba diving will get nitrox certified. But to be honest with you, most of the places that I see in the Caribbean that have diving offered, they don't do nitrox. I, I do see it occasionally. So it is, I'm not saying it's not available, but it's just not the norm. So most places are going to be just regular compressed air diving, um, open water certification. You're good to go. Well, I think I'm going to do it here locally. But what scares me is that the open water dive we have to do is in like this little lake, this murky brown cold lake. Uh, in Michigan. (laughs) And I'm just, I'm cold frightens me like cold water, especially. (laughs) And I just don't know how well I'm going to do down there underwater without being able to see freezing who, who knows what's going to slither against me uh, in that (laughs) lake. But I I think I'm going to do it because I really want to dive in Cozumel and some of the other places. Well, you should do it. You should 100% do it and don't worry about it because you're going to be wearing a super thick wetsuit. It's going to be really cold water that pours down your back. And then your body is going to heat that water up and the wetsuit's going to keep it warm and insulated. So it's it's a little bit shocking when you go diving like 50 degree water. But as but within a minute, you're comfortable and you're and you're warm as long as you're wearing the proper gear, which uh, if you're getting your dive certification, they're going to know how to how to dress for the occasion. Right. The visibility is going to be a little bit of a bummer. But just keep in mind, a little lake up in Michigan, there's nothing in there that's going to hurt you. You don't have anything to worry about. So if you can get past that, then here's what I predict will happen. You're going to have this experience. You know, have you ever seen A a Christmas Story, the movie A Christmas Story? Like, how can you avoid that movie, right? Right. I mean, it's a good movie, but my goodness. But anyway, you know how the kid's wearing all the snowsuit and they fall over and he can't can't get up? Yeah. Okay, well, that's what it's going to be like in that wetsuit because you're wearing what's called Farmer John's and it's like thick double layer wetsuit and it's going to be a little bit restrictive. And so you're going to go from this cold restrictive, poor visibility, open water dive. And it's going to be amazing because you're underwater, breathing underwater, and it's fun. And then you're going to go down to like Cozumel where you don't have to wear a wetsuit. You're going to get into like 85 degree water with like 100 foot visibility and beautiful scenery. And it's going to just change your life. So do it. Get scuba certified for sure. It's 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 a different. I love snorkeling and scuba diving separately and for different reasons. But they are very, very different experiences. And there are some big advantages to scuba over snorkeling, just like there are some big advantages to snorkeling over scuba. The other option I have, and I might take this option just because it's starting to get colder in Michigan now, is I can get the online certification here. And when I board Harmony of the Seas, they have the PADI course there. 
yep. where you spend a couple hours in the morning in the pool with the instructors and then one of your excursions you do a supervised dive and then the other one you do one more that would so, be fun yeah. <laughs> that option's available to me. And actually, it's affordable enough. I mean, it's going to cost you more since you're on a cruise. But um, I believe that when you pay for it, the excursion's already paid for. So there's value there, too. Yeah, I, I've looked into that for somebody in the past. And I was actually pretty surprised at how reasonably priced it was. I expected it to be like, you know, buying food at a theme park. Like, right. how much is this hot dog? But right. no, it, it was it was maybe you're paying a little bit more, but you're getting I mean, what better way to learn how to scuba dive than on a cruise ship? I mean, come on. That's right. amazing. <laughs> so uh, I would say, it, you know, if you do that, let me know, because I would I would love to talk to you afterwards to find out how that whole process went. I think it would be a blast to do it that way. I spoke with a girl on board on Freedom of the Seas, and she told me all about how to do it and how it works. And you just you send an email, you pay for it, you know, you get your cert, your, you pass the test. And then when you get on board, you just meet them at the right time and take it from there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That sounds really cool to me. I think that would be awesome. Well, maybe that's what I'll do. Yeah, you should do that. And and, and that actually leads us into uh, the last segment we've got here, which is listener questions. And I didn't get a ton. So if you do have questions, comments, stories, remember, send them to fantasticcruising at gmail.com so we can read them right here on the air. The first one is actually about snorkeling, scuba diving. And this is from Jeremy. And he said that his wife and him, they Let's see, the past May they went to Roatan, which is one of my favorite places to snorkel, by the way, and scuba diving would be amazing. They cool, were on the because no- we're going to be there in February. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I've only been to Maya Key in Roatan, and I can't get away from it because it's so awesome, but I'm sure other places are just as cool. They He was on the getaway, Norwegian getaway, and went to Daniel Johnson's Sloth Hangout. So I haven't been to that place, but... Part of the excursion was probably Sloss, which is probably worth it right there. But then the other part was snorkeling in the bay, and he kept having a problem with his mask filling up with water, and he has a beard. And so he wants to know, how do you deal with that? Now, I know you've been growing a beard recently. I saw in your live stream, you got you got the beard going on there. So this is a legitimate concern. Like you put a mask on, the way it works is it forms a seal, not an elephant seal, it's a regular one, against your face, and it keeps the water from leaking in there. But if you have hair going in there, whether it's hair on your head, I, I don't know what that's like, but I've heard, uh, or hair on your <laughs> on your lip, then that just creates a little gateway for water to get into your mask and it's going to go there. So the solution they gave to him was they gave him some Vaseline to put on the stash and, uh, and make a seal. Again, not an elephant seal. And it worked for him for a while. Now, here's the thing. If you have your own mask and you use Vaseline, There are some very, very adamant people out there that will tell you that Vaseline will damage the silicone of your mask. Uh, And there are another whole crowd that say they do it all the time. It doesn't cause any damage. So, you know, you go with whatever you want there. But but I have used mask sealants that are supposed to be silicone safe, and they're basically just a really expensive version of Vaseline. And uh, and I've used it. And he the experience he had is it worked for a little bit, but then it started leaking. And he wants to know, you know, what? What can I do? So here's here's what you can do. You have basically you have three choices in this. And these are choices I have to make every time I'm going to go cruising, especially if I'm diving or snorkeling. Choice A, which is the best choice for keeping water out of your mask, is to shave the mustache. So uh, you can do that. But, you know, sometimes that's not always popular with um, 
with certain other people in your life. So mm -hmm. uh, you may not want to do that. Or maybe you got a really proud stash. You don't want to lose it just to go snorkeling one time. So option two, option two is you uh, buy some of the sealant or you use Vaseline. You put it on there. It will work, but you got to really glob it on there. And if you're going to be taking your mask on and off, you're going to have to reapply it every time. When I used it, I kind of did an experiment with it on one of my last cruises. I put it on, I went in the water, it didn't work. I came out, I tried it again, I put like three times as much on, I went in the water, it worked for like two and a half hours. But I didn't take my mask off that whole time. If I would have, it would have broke the seal. That's the price you got to pay is you got to keep the mask on the whole time. So make sure you know how to defog your mask and all that stuff or else you're going to have issues. The third choice you have, and this is the one that I usually end up doing, is you got to learn how to clear the water out of your mask. And there's different techniques for this and different masks have different ways of doing it. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt, but after you get kind of used to it, it's almost like you just do it as a reflex and you don't even necessarily notice you're doing it. Uh, the one thing I'll say is if you're swimming upside down and stuff, you might get water in your nose, which is extremely unpleasant. And you're going to have to maybe occasionally defog your mask again because it's going to wash away the little coating of defog you have on there. Now, the defog I like to use is saliva. It's 100% free, and I've always got it with me. So that's not really an issue for me. But if you're one of those people that's really, you know, apprehensive about spitting in your mask, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bigger problem. But unfortunately, that's all you can do. Like, it is a problem you're going to have to contend with. The more you do it, the less of a hassle it'll be, though. You'll kind of just adjust to it. So I don't know. Have you ever had water in your mask? Quite a few times. But <laughs> I just swim up, lift it out, put yeah. it back on, and go. You can. You can do that. And if you're snorkeling especially, you just lift your head out of the water, tilt that sucker open, boom, water's gone. Um, and the other thing is, and you should do this anyway, you should learn to breathe through your mouth. So you want to really focus on being able to control your breathing through your mouth and then even if you get water in there, you're not going to have as, as many issues with it. And that'll that'll help a little bit. So I hope that helped, Jeremy. <laughs> I couldn't. I can tell you this much. If if that was going to be an issue for me, the beard is going. Yeah. Because <laughs> there is no way that I could handle having Vaseline all over my beard. That would drive me insane. Yeah, it's it's kind of unpleasant. I would agree with that. Like I didn't notice it once it was in place too much, but it felt weird putting it on. It was a little awkward. I will say that this is enough of an issue for me that on more than one occasion, I have shaved my mustache because I knew I was going to be doing a lot of snorkeling or diving. Uh, so it can be that much of, of an issue, but other times, really, for me, I'll tell you, actually, for me, if I'm just snorkeling or I'm scuba diving, it really doesn't bother me. It's when I'm free diving and I'm hitting depths of like 40, 50 feet, just free diving really fast. And the pressure change in your mask, just it can I've had it suck water into my nose and into my sinuses and I've gotten like bad sinus infections from that. So if you're if you're only swimming down like 10, 15 feet or just staying at the surface, or if you're scuba diving where you're gradually getting that pressure change, it's not as big of a deal, especially scuba diving. I would say it's the least big of a deal. Um, but if you're, if you're swimming down 40 feet, then you're going to get like, like a super soaker up your nose. <laughs> it's, it's very unpleasant. So, so yeah, so I, hopefully that's helpful <laughs> to you. I wish I had a better solution. If anybody does let me know, cause I'd be interested in that. Well, someday we need to make this happen. We need to dive together. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that is one of my check marks in life is to go scuba or snorkeling with Matt. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm up for it. <laughs> absolutely. And not only should we do Which that means on... you have to book a cruise. Well, Matt. yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We, I was going to say that means we should do it on a cruise, but we could also do it right at the uh, the aquarium where I work. We could do a shark dive once you get certified. Oh, that's right. I saw yeah. that when I was there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I'll tell you, as much as I like diving with the sharks at the aquarium, I, I would I would always prefer to dive in open water, like in the Caribbean. That's always a better experience, and and that's saying a lot because I really enjoy diving with the sharks and stuff at, at at aquariums. But yeah, so so speaking of the aquarium, uh, we got another question. This one's from Don, and uh, and Don wants to know. With the hurricane coming up, do like aquariums and zoos have protocols that they have to go through? And uh, Ooh, great I'm, question. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into too much detail, and I and I can't technically for the aquarium because you know the whole work and podcasting are a little bit separate. But uh, but I will tell you this: I've worked at different facilities, and yes, absolutely, any reputable place, and that's most of your zoos and aquariums are going to have some really specific guidelines that they follow. Uh, they usually have different levels of protocols that they go through to, uh, to prepare for storms. And, uh, and those might be moving animals. Those might be getting food prepped for different occasions, things like that. But it's definitely a concern and something that has to be dealt with. And a lot of times modern facilities, and by modern, I mean anything built like probably in the eighties on up, they're going to be built with that in mind where they're like, okay, if you, if you have an aquarium in Florida, it better be able to withstand like a category five hurricane, because of course you can't, you know, you can only do so much. So you don't want that outcome to be your animals suffer from the storm because you couldn't evacuate them. Um, New Orleans has had some big issues with storms in the past where they've had some problems with their aquarium animals so they've they've had to shore that up so so yes i guess the 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 long answer is uh what i just said the short answer is absolutely it's something that is taken very very seriously at zoos and aquariums and uh animal welfare and safety should always be a priority and uh, and it it is at most facilities agreed and then finally the last question i've got here is another one that's kind of interesting in the in the aquarium world Uh, basically they said this is from Emily. Emily is a longtime listener. And there's only three episodes out, Emily, so maybe she's talking about the cruise geeks. But, <laughs> but Emily is. Well, an I anim- think we're all longtime listeners. We're all long. That's right. That's right. If you listen to me ramble on, it feels like a long time. But anyway, she's an animal lover, and she's wondering about the treatment of animals in some dolphin experiences that are in the Caribbean. She wants to make sure that she's supporting businesses that take good care of their animals. And um, wondering if I've ever done any of these excursions. Have you ever done any of the dolphin excursions? Yeah, we did in Florida. And the name of the place escapes me. It was probably um, the SeaWorld one, the Discovery Cove. Yes, that was the one. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've only done one dolphin encounter. It was when I was 15 and it was in the Keys and it was a really small facility. And this is before all the hubbub about making sure that marine mammals are safe and protected. And I can tell you that basically the way this worked was we got sat down and lectured one about the dolphins, but two, 
they were like, look, these are our dolphins. They come first. We're going to have them do these things for you. And after that, if they don't want to spend any time with you, they're not going to. If you do anything to my dolphins, <laughs> you're going to be out of here. I mean, and and nowadays in most facilities, and Discovery Cove would be stellar for this, they are going to be extremely careful about animal welfare. Now, having said that, we're talking about the Caribbean, Mexico, Central America, and they don't always follow the same guidelines that we do in the United States. So um, I have not participated in any of the different experiences in, in the cruises that I've gone on, but I have noticed them and I've tried to assess them to the best of my ability. Now, the whole dolphin in captivity thing is a controversial topic and I have, I, I can see both sides of it, to be honest with you. Uh, and I have some opinions about it. I don't want to get too much into that, but let me just speak to the welfare of the animals. So here's what I look for when I see one of these facilities. I want to know how big is the facility that they're keeping the animals in. If it's the, the one in Costa Maya where it looks literally like a swimming pool, that that ain't doing it for me. If it's like Chonkanob and Cozumel where it's huge or the ones that they have in, uh, I haven't seen them, but I've seen videos of the ones that they have in Nassau at Atlantis. Those are huge. Uh, that right there is one thing to look for. Two, if you see, I know it's hard to get video of those because they don't usually let you do that, but um, how they train their animals is important. So they should never be training their animals through any type of like scolding or anything. It should all be uh, positive reinforcement of the behaviors they're looking for. Um, you can kind of go online and probably search some of these places out. Of course, you're going to get probably some really out there opinions on both sides, no matter what the place is like, but you're probably going to be able to gain some insight into it. Uh, another thing is if it's like a national place, like Chonkanob's a national park. Um, if you go to one of those type of places, if it's in Puerto Rico or if it's in Dominican Republic, these are, um, part of the United States. And so they're going to be monitored a little bit closer. Then you're going to be able to, to have a little bit more comfort in knowing that they're doing things the right way. But I would say if you want to do one of these experiences, I would say do it, but just do a little research, look at the reviews, look at like the different cruise websites for reviews, and then use your best judgment. And then let me know what you think. If you have one of these experiences, let me know how it was. Did you feel like they were doing well by the dolphins or were they, were they keeping them too small? Were they forcing them to do things? Uh, I'd, I'd be interested in knowing what those experiences are like, but I don't know if that answers your question. It's, it's not an easy one to answer. And, and I know that there's a lot of sensitive opinions on there and I try and respect those, but, uh, yeah. but there, but there's a lot of, I will say this, there's a, there's a lot of good that is done through some of those experiences as well, uh, as far as helping people, there's a lot of work that's been done with people who are in this country, with people who are partially paralyzed or missing limbs, um, with people who have autism and things like that. There's a, there's a lot of really positive stuff that's done with interacting with uh, dolphins. So whether you agree with it or not, there there is some positive there for sure. I do have one last question. Do you know when your next cruise is going to be. This is what the people want to know, Matt. <laughs> Everyone's asking. I do not know when it's going to be, but I can tell you this. I have been looking. I, I've got a few irons in the fire, as they say, and uh, I don't know exactly when, when it's going to happen, but 
I'm looking at two different possibilities, and um, one of them is possibly in 2019. And the, yes. the, the other one is, is probably 2020, but, uh, but yeah, nothing yet. I, I've, I'm still trying to kind of get my footing a little bit. I've gone through a lot of change lately, so I got to get my feet underneath me, but, um, I am absolutely starting the process of looking for my next cruise. And as soon as I book it, I will, I will let everybody know. Well, we can't wait because when you go on a cruise, we know we got vlogs coming. <laughs> Absolutely. You better believe it. Yes. I haven't done a lot of videoing lately and I'm kind of kind of missing it a little bit. So I want to get my video camera back out. I can't wait to see them. John, thank you so much for being on here. You're no, one thank of, you. Not only are you one of my favorite YouTubers, you're one of my favorite people. You're a good friend of mine and I just really appreciate you. And I hope everybody goes and checks out your, your channel and your Facebook group and uh, and get to know you like I do if they don't already. Yeah, and Matt, thank you so much for having me. Uh, when you said you were going to do this, I was like, oh, this would be so much fun to do with him. And I can't thank you enough for bringing me on. So All right, well, let's go ahead and, and take it on out then. John, you want to give him your, your goodbye? Sure. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time.